0: Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature. So, listener discretion is advised. So, when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, welcome back. It's Shannon and Melissa here. Yes. And we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of old-time crime gals so thanks for joining us and i hear we got some new people we have listeners in
1: canada and mexico so welcome we are international
0: wow that's doing huge... this for a month now it's exciting it is exciting it makes me want to keep doing it yeah it makes me want to go visit those places yes I want to be there and Absolutely. join in so welcome to um tides of the coin as far as weather well, the Groundhog maybe. Day was yesterday, and
1: he saw his shadow. So we have six more weeks of winter. Right? Awesome! That
0: is great. So maybe more snow is heading towards our way. We got to enjoy some snow last week, so that was a lot of fun. It was. So today we are talking about a man in a suit. Ooh. I know. What do you think of when you think of someone that wears a suit, Melissa? A businessman. Businessman has it all together. Yeah. Um, someone who wants to get up and motivated, that's right, uh, jump into their day and get going, make some money, possibly, possibly good business suit, knows where they're going, knows what they're doing. Um, so we're going to be talking about a man by the name of John List. The only thing about this man in a business suit is that he actually not only likes to go to work in his business suit, but he likes to cut the grass.
1: In his business
0: suit. So If I
1: saw a businessman in a suit cutting grass, there's something wrong
0: there. First of all, it would make me (laughs) just, that's too hot to be in a suit cutting grass, but I would definitely have to question what his goals in life were if he's wearing a suit out there. And especially if he's got a suit he can waste um, on sweating and get Get grass cuttings all over. So yeah. Anyway, so this is, we're talking about John List. So can you tell us a little bit about him? This story is just, it's a doozy. It's just
1: bananas to me. So we're going to look at the life of John List. And it's a very sad one. And it's an even bigger tragedy for the ones who loved him and looked up to him. Together, he built a family with his wife, Helen, who he was married to for over 20 years. So they had three beautiful children, Patricia she was a glowing girl. She was 16, full of life. She loved the theater. She wanted to become an actress, which I can sympathize with. I was say. That, was, that was my my dream back in the day. Um, John Jr., he was 15. He loved soccer. He was very active. And then there was Frederick. Frederick, who was 15. Ugh. 13. Yeah, Frederick was 13. John Jr. was 15, because he was his favorite, because it was his namesake. He was, you know, junior. That's uh, the kind of kid he, he favored. Gotcha. Um But on November 9th, 1971, the course of their lives will be forever marked by tragedy. So this is the story of John List, family annihilator and mass murderer.
0: John List, an active member in the Lutheran Church, taught Sunday school. He even served in the Army during World War II. He also attended University of Michigan, where he earned his bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's in accounting. Very smart, but he lacked social skills. Um, kept, they kept him from getting jobs and keeping them longer than a few years. Also, probably why he cut grass in a business suit. <laughs> Might not have too many people coming over saying, let's hang out. But he also um, had a family that, like you mentioned in the previous segment that um, was with three children and a wife and his mom lived with them. And they actually lived in Westfield, New Jersey, when Liz got a job as a vice president and comptroller of a bank in 1965. And
1: to become a vice president of a bank, I mean, he had a bachelor's. He had his master's. Obviously, he was smart. Yeah. And he, active in his community, part of a church, Sunday school teacher. Like, you
0: couldn't imagine. Right. And the fact that he, you know, he had to have had some kind of work history where they would let him be vice president because that's a pretty big deal. Um, And so when they lived in New Jersey, they purchased an 18-room Victorian-style mansion estate and actually was named Breeze Knoll.
1: Now, you know when your house has a name,
0: your estate has a name. Yes. It's, It's massive and grandeur and you've made it and... I actually enjoy going online and looking at old houses and I've looked up some of the Victorian style mansions and I mean, they're pretty amazing structures and how they built things back then was pretty amazing. The talent of people who, you know, you would think it would cost double what it paid for back then. But um, yeah, Mm -hmm. you had to be able to buy something like that during that time. Pretty special. So you said his mom lived with them. Yep. His mom lived, there was a separate apartment upstairs. Uh So she lived on the third floor and had her own place that she could cook and do her own thing. So didn't have to really be with the family all the time. She could have her space. They could have their space. So that was pretty nice. Um, so yeah, had just, you would think the perfect family from the outside. They looked like a close knit family. They were active in the community. Um, They were in a wonderful mansion on Hillside Avenue. But what do we know to be every truth? That nothing is what it seems. That's right. So things were very different behind closed doors. And you never know what someone is going through. Uh, I think no one could even begin to understand what was happening in John List's mind. So John, he began to fall on hard times. And he
1: lost his job at the bank. You have Helen. She had some mental issues. She was struggling with. She had some health concerns. She turned to alcohol, and so and she wasn't the most pleasant person to be around in those times. And she was often verbally abusive. Just not not a picnic to be around. And so um, he didn't want anyone to know that he was struggling to provide for his family because in his upbringing it was that's what you do you provide for your family and if you don't you're a failure and he didn't want anybody to know that so he would get up every morning and put his suit on and go to work and by work he would just hang out at the train station hang out at the train <laughs> station wow he would read he would nap he would stress about his day about what was going on try to come up with a solution
0: and come quitting time would come back home and pretend he was at the bank all day So you got to think about he really had this picturesque home and family that everyone considers is the American dream and, and what you strive for. And yet he still, he had turmoil going on inside the home and in his mind that was really probably tearing him apart. And you think about it, the neighbors being in a mansion that big, they're not going to hear if there's any arguments. They're not going to really know what's going on. And then by the time people pull things together, get out of the house, you just never know. And and they were known for to be a little bit reclusive.
1: They didn't go out often. They, you know, went to school. The kids church. did well in school. They did church. They did church activities. And then they kind of just hung out at the house. Okay. So the kids were kind of popular in school. They were well-liked, but I don't think they were like always going out to parties or social gatherings or being out and about and playing outside, they kind of kept
0: to themselves. So do you think these train station times, he's just sitting there in his mind creating different scenarios of how his life could have gone one way and it's ended up this way and what is he going to do about it? And um, it probably was boiling to the point of just chaotic confusion and just
1: Not a good place to be. He probably needed to seek therapy at that point. Right. (laughs) Cannot be good for his mental state to just sit around all day and worry about what's going on. That's right. And so that is where he comes up with a plan that he believes will solve all his problems. He has finally figured it out. So he could not bear the thought of his children living on welfare and having to cut back on less than what he felt they deserved. He thought that would be just not an option he did not want his family to go on welfare so he knew that if you go on welfare he would most likely have to sell his house Mm -hmm. and he was stealing from his mom accounts Ah. to help pay for his extravagant mortgage that he couldn't afford and so everything was his financial situation was even
0: spiraling out of control more so he had to do something or somebody was going to find out what was going on you know and he worked for a bank so you would think maybe he would try to get some money from the bank somehow but i guess he didn't try that so so instead
1: of them having to learn that their father was having trouble and they were actually poor he decides to just send them straight to heaven where he knows they'll be taken care of so his justification to me is just bananas Yes. um so what's even more chilling is every, how everything went down so it's not something that he took lightly he very much thought and meticulous planning was put into just executing his entire family so he, for the sake to save their souls
0: so he thought more of what his family would think of him than what the outside world would think he in a sick way he cared about how they thought of him which is still selfish because it was still all about him. Mm -hmm. But instead of losing the house and to the outside world, seeing him fail, if he took care of his family and executed them, they would never see his failure. And then he thought they would go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So his
1: reasoning for this, and these are his words. So he has said, quote, it was my belief that if you kill yourself, you won't go to heaven. So eventually I got to the point where I felt that I could kill them. Hopefully they would go to heaven and then maybe I would have a chance to later confess my sins to God and get forgiveness.
0: Unquote. Wow. I don't think God no. works that way. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't work that way. He does not. So, yeah, definitely not the best route to take. So he was um so he purchased ammunition for two guns mm-hmm. and then he went to a shooting range to practice. This was oh, wow. about a month before
1: Okay. So he's applied for permits, so he has some guns from the war, he buys new ammunition, he goes to the gun range, and he practices. Okay. And then one night while they were at dinner, he just casually brings up the conversation of death, and he asks each one of his members, what would you like to happen after you die? So he went to discuss their um their plans, and he thought he was being clever. He was trying to figure out, okay, so after this is done, you wish is cremation and that's what we're going to do
0: wow so they had no
1: idea the thought behind of why this discussion
0: was being brought up and to ask teenagers that's kind of a yeah weird (laughs) question to ask your children hey honey let's supper tonight let's talk about this especially at teenagers um because that's what he had in the house so
1: well he planned he originally planned for it to happen on all saints day which i think is the first Mm-hmm. and um some travel logistics it just it would not work he's very methodical um, kind of everything check off a list and something was gonna you know unhinge that plan because he wanted it to be they arrived on heaven on that day it would be appropriate uh, um but it didn't happen so it didn't
0: fit into his calendar it, it didn't fit uh, okay. into his into his, his planner. Uh, schedule that day gotcha
1: so he decided to carry out his plan on November 9th 1971
0: okay. So, it started out as a normal day in the List household. Mm-hmm. The children went off to school. Yep. Children go off to school. The house is empty. This was around 9 o'clock. Okay.
1: Helen is sitting at her table in her mansion drinking her coffee. His wife. Yep. Okay. And um, he just walks up behind her and just shot her in the side of the head. Just shot her in the head while she was drinking her coffee. So, she yep. didn't know what was coming. Didn't know what was coming. Okay. Um, immediately... He makes his way upstairs, two flights of stairs, to his mother's apartment on the third floor. And she was, you know, still in a sleeping gown. She was fixing herself breakfast. She had the pantry door open, you know, with the spices. She was cooking herself some some eggs or something. And she asked him, you know, what was that noise? Because obviously heard she heard it. And they were the only ones in the house. He didn't even answer her. He just raises a gun and shoots her. And she ended up getting shot in her eye, in the face above her left eye.
0: And then she just drops, and he just leaves her where she falls. So just a cold-blooded killer because he didn't even respond to her question. He just silently shot her. Wow. While she was looking at him. Wow. Because that was the thing. Eye to eye. Mm.
1: So then what happens? So then he makes his way to the basement, and he grabs a sleeping bag because they used to go camping. So he places the, the bag on the floor in the kitchen. He puts Helen on the sleeping bag. And then he has to drag her from the kitchen to the ballroom is where Ah. he's going to set up his uh,
0: family morgue, if you so call it. Um, And a ballroom is such a pleasant, uh, nice place. And now he's going to use it as. mm -hmm. um, So many happy times were probably held there. Yeah. Okay. Um, So then he goes and.
1: Well, so then he proceeds to mop up the blood on the floor. He uses rags to clean clean the table, and kind of clean up the area. Okay. Um, not out of any remorse or um, cleaning up evidence to not be caught because he's going to leave a confession letter. Like, there's no doubt he is the one who's doing this. Um, I think it was more of a OCD. He likes things to be neat and orderly, so he took the time to to mop everything up. But he leaves the mop, you know, in the kitchen bloody, and the blood-soaked towels are in a bag, so he doesn't hide those. He just he cleans up to
0: to clean up, basically. So, I have a question. Did it, did we discuss, do you think he had a suit on during all this? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he was all about his suits. All about that suit. I don't think he
1: owned anything other than business uh, suits. Gotcha. Um, so, he cleans up. <laughs> he cleans up. And then, you know, there's important matters to take care of. So, he's got some time to kill because by now it's just 10 o'clock. So, he's got two murders down and he can't, you know, get to the children. They have to come home from school. So he's got a nice window of this free time, so he starts checking off his little his little list. So he goes to his study and he gathers some books and pictures and he writes a thank you letter to the original um, house's descendant okay. about the beautiful house and thank you for letting us live here. Kind of weird yes. thing.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and then he wrote four more letters addressed to various relatives, and so then he know he goes to the bank. He goes to close his accounts along with his mother's and he cashed in her savings bonds. Okay. So he takes care of that. And then he comes back home and calls the neighbor who carpools with his two sons and told her that she's no longer needed. That's that she won't take the kids to school anymore. Wow. That's kind of suspicious. Yeah. He called anyone and everyone that may send up a red flag that something was wrong. If the list family just stopped showing up. So he cancels the paper delivery He told the post office to suspend and hold their mail until he let them know. He even cancels his milk delivery service. So he calls the schools. So he left nothing to chance. He gave everyone the same story that the family was taking off to visit Helen's mother, who was sick in North Carolina. So no one would be home. And he had no idea when they would return, which is true. It wasn't a lie because her mom was sick and she did live in North Carolina. She was too sick to travel up there to see them. So he told everyone they were planning to go see her. That
0: is so methodical and definitely this says premeditation and just well planned, as we've mm-hmm. seen that he's just a planner and everything is meticulous. And so by this time, you know, he's probably tired. You know, he's
1: had a busy morning. So, yeah. And, and he's yes. got a busy afternoon ahead of him. And so he probably didn't eat breakfast. I was going to say, all this before yeah. breakfast. No. So, he, you know, now he's hungry. Okay. So now it's lunchtime. So what did he do? Did he go get something to eat, or he fixes himself something to eat and sits at the coffee table where Helen was there just a few hours ago. But he cleaned it up, so it was clean <laughs> for
0: his for his lunch or breakfast. I know. Well, he's sick. Obviously, he's sick. Yeah, we, we knew that when he was cutting grass in a business just, suit. So. I can't imagine it either. We well, left, to go to the bank. Go get something through a drive-thru. Like, yes. why do you have
1: to come back home and
0: sit at the same table? 1971. Were there drive are drive throughs Okay. <laughs> do a little research. <laughs> so even the first drive-thru came up. I don't know. Mm. So, okay. So, then he goes and gets something to eat. Yes.
1: And so, he sits down at the table. He eats. And in an interview after the fact, he when he was recalling how it happened, he just basically, I was just hungry and it was time to eat. Like, just wow. protein. Got to get some more energy for the rest of my afternoon. That and heart.
0: Wow. Evil. None. Evil. Mm. So,
1: Patricia came home next. And immediately after she got in the house, he fired a shot into her jaw and it killed her from behind. Wow. Um, he said he didn't want them to know what was happening to them, especially that it was him that was sending them away. Um, So Frederick was next and he was immediately shot upon entering the house. Um, He had to act quickly because he didn't want them to see the other bodies or or see the blood or, you know, it would disturb his plan. So he was very methodical. It's like he was checking off a to do list. Okay. And so and this one is what gets me. So he drove to Westfield High School. So his eldest son, John Jr., Mm -hmm. he had to be scheduled to play a soccer game. Okay. And that was his favorite. So John Junior was yes. his favorite child. So he watches them play the game. So he sits through the soccer game, probably cheering them on, you know, as the father watching this kid play, wow. and drives them home. And as soon as they arrive home, he tries to do the same routine with John, but I guess he turned around or he saw something. There was a struggle. Okay. So this kid ended up turning around and facing him, and because of that, he tried to defend himself. Like ten shots end up getting fired wow. into his chest and his head. And he even said in his confession letter that he suffered the most because he just wouldn't quit moving. Like, he was twitching, and I don't know if he was seizing or what was happening, but he Mm. kept shooting until he was not moving anymore. Wow. And at that point, it was probably just, he was glad it was over. That was the last one that was on his list, and he just was relieved that he had finished
0: his assignment for the day was how he put it. Like, his to-do list was done. So being moms and parents, I can't even imagine that. I mean, it makes me mad at him that he did that, that he, he just had no heart, no thought process. It was just like, he was mechanical. He was a robot Yeah, without any kind of soul. And yeah, he was worried about his soul. Um, Yeah. Very strange. So, uh, all right. So he's killed what? Five people so far. Mm -hmm. All right. So what happened then? So, he takes the rest of the sleeping bags from the basement. And so he lays
1: each body on one and drags them to the ballroom where he lays them to rest, as he called it. Um, he said a prayer for each family member because he wow. was still very in his mind in his religious that yes. he was sending them to heaven. And so then he started cleaning everything up. This and, and this is the part that is just creepy. I mean, I, it's, he's sick. He did it. It's awful. But he turns the thermostat all the way down in an effort to delay the decomposition of the body to buy him time. He turns every light on in the house, and he sets the intercom to play music throughout the house, as if, like, a party's going on, like this. And it was, like, organ, classical, just music. Okay. And then, if that wasn't creepy enough, he travels throughout the entire house and removes all the photos of himself.
0: Huh. This is so the cops would not have a recent picture for a wanted poster so he was going to tell on himself that he did the crime but he wanted to take all the pictures and they wouldn't he wanted time to get away gotcha Gotcha. okay and
1: so after that he sits down at his desk and he writes his final letters
0: this is a five-page
1: document to his pastor at the local church okay because he felt that he knows his pastor won't approve of what he done because he knows it was wrong but he felt that it would be an explanation as a confession and they would understand
0: where he was coming from. And maybe he, that would be kind of on his list to get forgiveness so that his soul would one day go to heaven. Okay. And the last line, and this is
1: what completely shocked the jury during his trial was, you know, PS mother's upstairs. She was too heavy to move. Just like, take care of that. Yeah. Wow. And,
0: In his letter, that's what he wrote. Yeah, in
1: his letter. That's the very last line. P.S. Mother is upstairs. She was too heavy to move. Wow.
0: Man. So, okay. Now, I wonder, you said he told all the neighbors and everyone that he was leaving with his family to go visit the mother in North Carolina. You think he left the music on that whole time? Yeah, well, it was playing. So even while the weeks were. Yeah. So that kind of is odd if they're going to be leaving. Unless but he then the house burglary. is lit up and it looks yeah. like.
1: I guess he wanted to try to deter anyone from. Coming in like a burglar. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like someone's in the house, but no one's really looking for him. Yeah, gotcha. Because kind of, sort of, it was an entire month before they were discovered. So neighbors, they got suspicious when light bulbs began to blow out. And they would notice, hey, you know, stuff, something's Something's going going on. on. And so they called and police came out and they looked around the house and they were like, well, we don't really see anything suspicious. Like, we know they're gone. They contacted the post office. Like, we just think they left some lights on her. And so they didn't, you know, do anything about it. But um, shout out to Patricia's drama teacher who showed up calling for her because he thought something wasn't right. Okay, and um, so he called the neighbors called. I guess they thought someone was actually trying to break in when he was trying to figure out um what was happening, okay, and so the police show up again, and he convinces them to break in the house via an unlocked window, so they travel into the basement, so immediately they knew something was not right because obviously, after a month, the smell of death is in the air. And so it was December 7th. So nearly an entire month since John left his family
0: in the ballroom. Plenty of time for him to get away, find a new place to live, you know, get Mm -hmm. a start on a new life. And I hate that it took 18
1: years, but how he got caught was really cool. So that's what we're going to get into next.
0: He was on the run for 18 years. There was a 50 state alarm to each agency across the United States. It was high priority um, for them to find him. And everyone was looking for this guy. He had a month's head start, which we talked about. And um, that proved to be a great advantage for him. So the FBI, have you heard of America's Most Wanted TV show? I was terrified of that show when I was younger. My brother would watch it and uh, it's, it would scare me. It's not the one. No, that's not the one with the guy's deep voice, is it? That No, Unsolved Mysteries uh, was the guy's
1: deep, okay. the deep voice. Yeah, I am yeah. afraid of that one, too, ironically. But um, America's Most Wanted was John Walsh. Yes. Whose son, Adam Walsh, started the Code Adam yes.
0: movement. Yes. And so he was big on uh, advocating and capturing criminals. And so um, the show relied on the public to call in tips to a hotline and then uh, local agencies could follow up. There was only one problem. At the end of every episode, they showed a current picture of the suspect in hopes that they would be located. This case was almost 20 years old, and they did not have a current picture of John List. And probably part of that was because he took all (laughs) the pictures. He went around and took all the pictures of himself. So Frank Bender, this is where he comes in. Um, I do not think John would have been caught without Bender's help. Mm Mm-hmm. He has one of the coolest jobs ever, and it is. It, he's a forensic sculptor. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, so he takes a skull and gives it a face. Basically, it makes it look real, like the... Angela on, on bones. bones. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to bones. Because Love bones. even though, you know, TVs are fiction, a lot of the shows, they use a lot of I don't think it was life. as
1: easy as her little supercomputer. No, but...
0: Um, but he had to work long hours and get things just right so um he takes a skull and using charts he points out different markers so um the different markers kind of laid out the way the skin might be and how maybe a person ages for so he did it for each race age sex and so on there's certain ways that things show on the bones um kind of like your ethnicity different areas people come from and um what people groups they're a part of so then he takes that and he can sculpt what the face may have looked like in one case he was able to take a skull and gave it life and it was recognized as a missing girl and the comparison is amazing yeah, side must-
1: by side they looked exactly like the girl that had grown up
0: a wow And so considering he had nothing to look at other than bones, that's pretty awesome. Now, a lot of this you can find, are we going to attach that to our? Yeah, that that was a
1: specific uh, forensic files episode that uh, featured,
0: you know, how John
1: was got caught. So we'll link that to the description in the episode. Awesome. Because it's really cool
0: to see it in person. And I'll put some pictures up on the Facebook page as well. So this is the part I think is really neat too, is that John, uh, He wanted to learn everything he could about John. So, Mr. Uh, Bender. Yeah, Frank. Frank, Yeah, Frank wanted to learn everything he could about John. So, it's not just physical structures, but it's kind of what type of person he was. Mm -hmm. um, The different things John liked to do. So, the show hired him to create a bust of John List. And they wanted to make him look older. Since it had already been, what, 18 years? Yeah. He partnered with a psychologist that created a psychological profile. So that was what we were just talking about with knowing everything about him and what made him tick and all of the different things. And so the psychological profile, Frank would study and he looked at pictures of John's parents to see how they aged. He created a bust of what appeared to be an older John list. Yeah, he, put yeah, he, put a, a he put him in a suit. put him in
1: a suit because that's probably what he would be wearing. Yeah. He put him in a suit.
0: Uh, he made sure to add the scar. He had a scar behind his right ear that was um, left from an old surgery. One thing was missing, though. So, Melissa, tell me about the, the one thing that was missing. So, he created
1: the bus of this older gentleman, but he was missing his
0: glasses. Okay. So, the glasses were a big part of John List. And this yes, it's very important. So, according to the Psychological Criminal Profile, they didn't
1: think he would get contacts because he wasn't vain enough to get contacts and drop the glasses. They decided that he would change his style of frames to a thicker frame in order to seem more important and less like the failure that he was. And so, Frank, he looked through boxes and boxes of glasses before he found a pair that he thought would be suitable on this John List. And the profile determined that, you know, he's a creature of habit, that he would return
0: to a somewhat normal routine in society. And the glasses were part of what made him at a younger age, and he's not going to try anything new. Yes. So the glasses were a big part. All right. So as, as soon as the
1: bus was shown at the end of the episode, it aired on Sunday, May 21st in 1989. So you have Wanda and her daughter They're in Denver, Colorado. They immediately recognized their former neighbor, Bob Clark. I mean, right down to the scar on the ear. He was an accountant and, you know, he worked <laughs> at a bank, you know, they called it in. So he had moved to Richmond because he actually married her friend, Dolores. Okay. And they moved to Richmond. So she called it in and it was just 11 days after the show aired. Wow. That he was arrested.
0: What? I mean, if you're sitting there and we're watching TV together and we watch this kind of episode of America's most wanted or some other crime show. I don't even know what I would feel like if I saw one of my neighbors. <laughs> it just would be. Well, I guess
1: they felt because, you know, they had moved. So he knew, they knew yeah. he was in Richmond. It wasn't like they could peep out the window and see him like
0: cutting his grass in the yeah. business. Suits. But also there, he had to be very, remem- I mean, like memorable because mm-hmm. of the fact that something had to be off to them to really be able oh, to yeah. pick him out so fast. Um Wow. All right, so they called in, and you said 11 days after he was arrested. And the craziest thing is that the bus that Frank created next to the actual current picture of John upon
1: arrest is virtually the same. Down to the pair of glasses. I was going to say, the pair of glasses, they were exactly... It was spot on, and he was a member of a Lutheran church. He had gotten remarried. He was in the same habit of... He told her that his first wife had died of cancer and he had no children. Otherwise, he was the same accountant. He was the same Lutheran church member. He was active in the community. And his wife was shocked? She had no idea. She, she she uh, at a press conference, was like, nope, this is not my husband. I don't believe it. I love him very dearly. But also divorced him the same year he got arrested. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and the, the funny thing to me is he did an interview in 2002 like a four-hour interview, and he, his wife was actually watching the television show. He caught the tail end of it. They were, and he was sweating. He said he was sweating profusely, and he kept looking at her, and she just had no idea. She did so, not recognize that that was
0: him. So, Dolores and him were watching yeah, the Yeah, he was watching Most the Amer- Wanted, America's Most Wanted. Okay, at the time before he was called, Right. And as Bob Clark. And he was nervous. Because he thought for sure she's going to recognize. Yep. Wow. She had no clue. Wow. And yet the neighbors,
1: she was living with neighbors, yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So then.
1: Yeah, April of 1990 was when he was convicted
0: of the five murders and sentenced to five lifetimes in prison. And during that four-hour interview, it's clear he had no remorse, right, over what happened. uh, when
1: When he was sentenced, he said he's sorry for the tragedy that happened in 71. Not like, um. My wife, my children, nothing. Just yeah, no sorry harm. about it. Wow. And he even said like he still believes that he's going to go to heaven and be reunited with his family. And that either they're going to forgive him and they're going to enjoy each other's company just like they did when they were alive. Or they're just going to hang out in different parts of <laughs> heaven.
0: Wow. And Because he feels like he did what he had to do to save their souls. Mm-hmm. And he probably feels like, hey, they're in heaven because of what I did. Um, which is very sad and very sick. And so,
1: so when did he die? He died on March 21st, 2008. He was 82
0: and he had pneumonia. Okay. Wow. So very, um, he lived a long time to have committed such, um, heinous crimes, which is, you know, very sad for his family. So I wonder what his wife, Dolores, I I hope she was able to get started out and have you know the end of her life was successful i didn't
1: yeah i didn't find anything on her i know they divorced um same year he was he was arrested so she must have. that was a big shock of um uh,
0: yeah that's not cool not loving you anymore not yeah Um. (laughs) (laughs) wow i'm probably thankful that she got out of that alive. all right well guys thanks for joining us again for oh i do i do have a tidbit okay what's a tidbit so he um
1: oh you know owed so much money and that was the whole premise of he had to find this problem you know he had it and he needed to solve it and this is how he chose to solve it but that that mansion that beautiful mansion breeze um caught fire and it burned down um but in the house was a original tiffany chandelier signed that was worth more than what he owed so in reality all he could have done was liquidate some of his assets and been good to go if he would have admitted that he needed to sell something to get money
0: oh, so man. all
1: of that could have been solved by a tiffany
0: yeah. chandelier and i heard, i read something about a glass ceiling or something i don't know No, that was the so that was yeah, what that was yeah. okay very cool it's like this
1: ornate tiffany
0: signed original he's
1: you know tiffany lantern like yeah you know, thing um, but yeah, especially worth,
0: in the '70s, it was worth been.
1: almost over, definitely over a hundred thousand. I'm not exactly sure how much because I did not write that down.
0: But um, would have solved all his financial wow. problems. Man, that that's very sad. He and then the, his children could have lived, and but he still had some some um, problems. If he even considered oh, yeah, that, yeah. you know, that's that's I mean, not he, an option to
1: me. We yeah, he's <laughs> considering.
0: He's at the banks. Or the train station thinking about all this, but then he comes home. What if he saw the chandelier? It's still the fact that he went there. It's yeah. just sad. Oh, yeah. So, well, hey guys, um, we hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, but we first hope you'll enjoy this one. And remember,
1: well, remember to join our Facebook group, okay. um, Old Time Crime Gals. You can send us an email at oldtimecrimegalsgmail.com. At Please, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, thank you. Please rate, subscribe, like, share. We're on Google. We're on Anchor, and we're on Spotify. Um, Those reviews and those rates, they help us, you know, get
0: out in the world so we can get more listeners. And now you can remember. Do the crime, and it'll catch up with you in time. And we'll also think you're weird if you're cutting grass in your business suit.
1: (laughs) We'll talk about it.